Hey, y'all. It is another episode of the Late Night Vision Show, episode number 196. We are creeping up. Not really creeping. It feels like it's a full-on roll right into episode 200. Uh, before I bring in our, our co-host, the owner of Outdoor Legacy, Mr. Jason Robertson, uh, this is, after 195 episodes, this is the first time this topic has ever been talked about uh, on this show. So, Jason, bringing you in right now. How are you doing, bud? And tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about tonight on the show. Yes. Yeah, so this is a topic that I think our loyal listeners who have uh, listened to most of our shows, I know there's some of the guys out there that say they've listened to every single episode. Um, I feel sorry for those guys and I wish I could afford to uh, buy you, uh, you know, counseling, but I can't You're definitely going to have brain damage. If you've listened Maybe a to a subscription all... to Spotify or something else where there's a lot better podcasts. on. That. Exactly. But, uh, so I don't know that this show is going to necessarily interest, uh, our normal, uh, core audience, which is generally, uh, you know, mostly, you know, hog and predator and coyote hunter and coyote hunters, hog hunters is what I was trying to say. Um, it might, but this show is dedicated mm -hmm. to preppers. Um, right. These are guys who are not necessarily hunting. They may be hunters as well, and they may use these optics for hunting, but they are uh, preparing for emergency type situations. And I know Hans and I were kind of talking uh, before the show started about, you know, what kind of situations are, are guys preparing for? And I think you had a pretty good kind of a definition of, of that. I mean, what, what did you say there before the show? Oh Hans? gosh. Now I got to go back and remember all every all the genius things I was saying. In yeah. Our I don't know. Meeting. I didn't say genius. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, you know, that I think the word prepper or prepping has a stigma about it in some and in some circles it can be negative but honestly at the end of the day I think it's about taking care of you and your own I mean I, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody that's preparing for anything I mean you think about our grandparents our great-grandparents mm. and and how they used to to can uh, items and and uh, pickle food and put everything yep. in jars I mean my my mother-in-law, who's not that old, probably has about 500 pounds worth of green beans <laughs> under her bed in her room. And she'd That's kill right. me if if anybody knew that right now. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And the fact that, the, that some people have a negative stigma about what prepping really means, uh, I think it does fall along political lines as well. Uh, and that's okay. Right. But uh, like I said, it's being a, a good... Uh, a good protector of you and your own. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're male, female, whatever. It's preparing for the unknown. And and what 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 I think a prepper or what I think prepping is, is pre preparing for any type of emergency or disaster, whether that is a um, a natural disaster, uh, whether that is something um, you know like what we had last uh, last winter, Jason, down here in Texas, where there was uh, sub freezing temperatures for a week, and there were people that were uh, with and without power uh, for a, a, a large number of days. And, and you were part of that a little bit uh, where people didn't have power. Uh, I think it has to do with uh, what we're going through right now. You know, people, and I'm making this very long winded, but people, no, no, it's uh, good. I think people made fun of people that prepped because they said that they were, you know, wore tinfoil hats and they were conspiracy mm. theorists. But who would ever think 10 years ago that in 2022 we'd be two years deep in a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic? I mean, who would sure. have ever thought that? Let me ask you, Jason, what is the very first event that you remember that people started prepping for? This is a quick little quiz. I'm going to tell you, if, I'm going to see y if it's the same y as mine. Y2K. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so Y2K, exactly yeah. right. So I, I agree with everything you've said, and here's the deal. Um, we're in East Texas and I'm, you know, a couple hours South of you. And w even here, you said it, you know, we had the, the ice and snowmageddon last year, you know, we were in negative, 
uh, temperatures, which I know to our northern brethren are like a big deal. That's just a <laughs> yeah. Monday for us, but we we're, we're not used. We to We don't that. have furnaces. Our, our, yeah. <laughs> no, our power grid was not made for it. Uh, our homes were not constructed for it. Uh, right here where I'm at, we've had two hurricanes that just hit down the coast, came straight up. And just like to, I mean, all kinds of crazy damage. And again, we're, we're, you know, three hours north of the coast. I mean, that's happened twice uh, in the last, you know, 20 years or less. So there is, there's a lot of things. There's also always a civil unrest and those things that go along with it. And uh, I agree with everything you said. And I think that um, I'm going to give one. What about just the guys and we look we all all of us guys that are hunters and shooters uh, what do we love to buy ammo you know we always yeah. and, and your wife's like why do you need all right. that ammo what do you exactly. do with all that ammo well let me tell you something there is no no man or woman who stockpiled ammo four five six seven eight ten years ago now who looks like a fool you look like yeah. a genius because number <laughs> exactly. one you could sell it for just the normal market price that you could get it at mm. at bass pro or wherever and you're probably quadrupling your money right. and exactly. you're not out there standing in bread lines trying to get a <laughs> box of ammo to shoot so so and, again and, i don't think it's a bad thing People fighting over, think about it, Jason, what we've been through, and, and this oh, is no. a, a weird reflection moment. People at grocery stores fighting over toilet paper. Toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, you're going to say that. I, I mean, can you yeah. believe, I just, and we yeah. laugh it off like it, because we're so used to it now, mm -hmm. but my goodness, 2019 and March of 2019, when my family and I were on a camping trip, and we just learned that they canceled the school the, the week right. after because of, you know, uh, the coronavirus, had no idea what was going on and two weeks to slow the spread. And look, look where we've come. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy to think about when in our, as human beings, we are, are, are very adaptable to change. Um, and, For sure. you know, we've, we've, we've been able to make, make it uh, very well, I think, uh, considering all the negative things that have gone on. Um, but everybody that's been out there preparing for stuff like this, uh, stocking up, if you stocked up on toilet paper, you probably could sell it for a dollar a square, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, when, exactly. when people are rushing out there. But no, I mean, it, it's really, it's the smart, responsible thing to do. And I wish that I did more of it from a uh, from a, a food standpoint, as far as ammo, I think I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you're doing good there. Guns and ammo, you, guns and ammo. Good. Yeah, but you know, you, yeah. other other items, I wish I was a little bit better at. But um, but yeah, it's just the responsible thing to do. And and we want to talk about a lot of that because we do get a lot of phone calls. And I think when people call, they're a little shy about it, and they're almost, uh, yeah, you know, they 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 know about the negative uh stigma that comes with it, and they call and they say, well. You know, I, I just kind of using it for protection and sure. and personal protection. And, you know, I'm a prepper. It's okay. You know, they, they kind of act like, you know, I'm going to say something bad. But I'm like, no, man, I get it. Yeah. I get it 100%. It's a smart thing to do. And and I think that, uh, and again, we're going to get into this, folks. I know we're getting kind of long-winded here, but, but we want to kind of lay this groundwork. I'm going to say this, too. Um, I learned a long time ago that uh, there's different kinds of, of prepping for different kinds of people for different kinds of situations. But number one, there's guys who, uh, like Hans and I, live out in the sticks, live out in the country, and uh, we might, you know, uh, buy things and prep in ways that are different than the guy that I talk to that lives in an urban area. Maybe somebody, I mean, I've talked to guys that live in the middle of very, very big cities, and they're like, listen, you know, if it hits the fan, I've got to figure out how to get out of here, you know, yeah, and, and exactly. where I'm at in my life right now, I, I got a job here. I can't move. I can't, but I have to, you know, I want to be prepared to get out. And again, I think that's where sometimes, you know, this night vision and thermal discussion comes in. So let's jump right into this topic. I think we've laid the groundwork. Uh, I want to talk about the differences in night vision and thermal. Again, there's going to be some guys listening to this that are like, well, this is 101. Well, that's fine. This isn't for you. This is, we're, <laughs> we're starting this out for the guys right. that are like, man, I'm, I'm interested in this, but I don't know 
anything about it and where right. to start. So uh, stick with us uh, in the next 30 minutes or so. We're going to lay out uh, everything from that you need to at least begin to think about uh, all the way down to kind of some pricing considerations. So night vision and thermal, two very different technologies. Um, again, this is just going to kind of be a basic overview. Um, nowadays, digital night vision is the most common type of night vision. It's very affordable. Uh, it's a very good quality for the dollar that you're spending. Um, when, when you think of digital night vision, Think of a trail camera that you would put out on the side of a tree to, you know, mm. see deer or bears or whatever you put on a corn feeder. It's the same technology, actually, that you would have on a security camera outside of your house or, you know, outside mm. the, the grocery store. Um, it uses infrared uh, LEDs and it, it illuminates, you know, again, this is light that you and I can't see. It's infrared, but the scope can see it. Uh, you're normally looking at a black and white image. Um, and then we talk about thermal. Now, we'll kind of get into the pros and cons of, of each year. But thermal is basically uh, a technology uh, that um, this is, you know, probably putting it um, oversimplified, but it reads temperature. So it, mm. it looks out there. Everything has a temperature. Everything has heat in it. So it picks that up. And it gives you a black and white image. Again, there's different color palettes and things you can use, but it's normally going to be a black and white image. Mm -hmm. And the hotter the object is, the more it will glow or stand out. And so where night vision is basically just a black and white image, a black mm -hmm. and white video image. Thermal is, uh, again, animals, people, cars, anything that's got heat in it stands out and glows and it's very easy to see. So Hans, I'm going to bring you in here in a second. I'm going to let you kind of talk about some of the pros and cons. The one thing that I want to mention here, again, to kind of help you wrap your brain around this is think of it this way. If you take, um, let's say Hans goes and puts on his camo, all right, like he's going out hunting and he goes out and that's pretty much every day. That's <laughs> pretty much. He's sitting in camo, probably camo underwear. Work pants. Right now, oh, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> going to town, going out to exactly. eat with my wife. She hates it. But yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm sure. So Hans is out there tonight and he's out, say, at 100 yards in his camo. And he kind of gets over by a, a tree and by some brush and he leans up there real still and he's just leaning against that tree looking at the ground. So you take a digital night vision optic um, or a traditional night vision. There's, you know, we didn't really get into that, but, you know, mm -hmm. either one. If Hans is real still and you don't catch his eye with that IR light uh, mm -hmm. reflecting off of it, if his camo works, you're probably not going to see him. If he's not moving, uh, you know, he could very easily blend in no different mm -hmm. than he could in the broad daylight with your naked eyes. You know, I mean, somebody mm -hmm. good camo can stand there yeah. and you not see him. With thermal, you're going to see him sticking out like a th sore thumb. You're like, who is that dude leaned up against that tree over there? Because right. yeah. his body is glowing because, yeah. you know, he's at, it, it, you know, 90-something degrees, and it's just all the way through his whole body glowing. He will be very, very quick to spot. Mm -hmm. And I always say, if, if, for instance, he's standing behind that tree, thermal can't see him either. Okay, because it's not magic. He can't see through that tree. But if he sticks his hand out, just just his hand outside of that tree, again, real still, night vision, you might not see that hand. Thermal, you're going to be like, who's the dude sticking his hand out from behind <laughs> that tree? Um, yeah. So, all right, Hans. Now I've kind of I've kind of broke this yeah. down, and I know people yeah. are immediately saying, well, obviously, thermal's the only way to go. Not necessarily. Tell them some of the benefits of, you know, what night vision would be, uh, oh, you know, versus thermal. You gave me the hardest one. Give me the, the advantages of night vision. No, I, I, no, no. Identification, so say, there's all kinds of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, there, there are advantages. The, the, the biggest one is going to be price. <laughs> you you well, know, you sure. can get a, a very good, I mean, one of the top of the line night vision scopes for $800. Um, you know, $800 really is not even going to get you into a thermal, uh, a good no. quality or, you know, decent quality no. thermal at all. So the price is going to be the biggest advantage with night vision. But yes, 
identification. So like what Jason was saying with um, detecting a target, um, you know, it's hard to hide from thermal because it's picking up the different heat different heat differences in, in all the objects. Um, but you can't really get a, a great ID. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to tell. Let's say your neighbor always walks around in a Texas Longhorns jersey, uh, you know, and he and always walks neighbor. in his yard. Yeah, but you want to <laughs> see out there and you want to see, is that my just my neighbor walking around in his underwear on our property line or is that a stranger <laughs> that I need to be aware of? Right. Well, with a, a thermal scope, you're just going to see a, a body. I mean, you're just going to be a, yeah. see a body moving. Either it's going to be all black or all white, depending on what mode you have it in. With night vision, you could flip on night vision and see, okay, well, he's got a hook him, you know, horns, long, longhorn jersey yeah. on, number 13. You know, you'd be able to see, um, you know, it's grayscale, so you're not going to see a lot of colors, but you're going to see darker colors and lighter colors if they have clothing on them. Um, I mean, you could tell, there's a lot of things you could tell with that. You could see it's him. I mean, I could identify you. Yeah. Yeah. At, a, at, a, at a certain range, maybe not at 200 right. yards, but I mean, it, right. it, it, depending on the scope and all those things, I mean, 40, 50, 60 yards, mm-hmm. I could look out there and go, what's Hans doing out there in, you exactly. know, uh, in my back pasture? What was exactly. he doing out there versus, you're right, with thermal, why is there someone? Someone. So that's the thing, you know, and it's the same is true with, with some hunters. You know, why somebody, a hunter, a coyote hunter might choose mm-hmm. a, a night vision scope over a thermal. It's because that person is concerned about shooting the neighbor's dog and right. thinking that it's a coyote with a thermal because you can't really mm-hmm. tell, you know, the difference in the hair and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So night vision advantages, obviously price identification, you know, there's um, also with night vision and you see a lot of these PVS 14 and night vision tubes, you know, we don't talk mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot about on the shows, but navigation, being able to navigate uh, mm-hmm. in the dark and, and to see, uh, the contour uh, of the ground, you can see a, you know, be able to see a, a hole, which I, I tend to be the person in the group that always finds the one hole out in the pasture, you know, when I'm walking, uh, you know, yeah. with my thermal and end up falling on my face. Uh, but, uh, but right. night vision, you have a better, you can maneuver better. You can navigate better. You can see through glass with a, tr- with a night vision tube, not with a traditional IR scope because yeah, not, that's gonna yeah, the not IR with digital night not, vision with, with, with an IR. Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna be, bounce off the light. But yeah, but you know based. with a tube based night vision you could see through now, glass where you can't see with through with, with a night vision scope. I'm gonna say the one quick thing. I'm yeah. gonna interrupt you and say this. Hans is right. Now what he's talking about is really cool, but you've lost your uh, your value in price when we start talking yes, about yes. PVS fourteen, Gen two, Gen three, whatever, right. I mean you you're gonna be looking at it, you know I'm just going to say 2,500, 3,000 minimum uh, mm-hmm. going on up there. So if, if right. you're saying, hey, I want to get my helmet and flip my PVS 14s down and walk around, I mean, you're talking money. Okay. So yeah, that's, that, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but that's a lot of money. Exactly. It's a different than the digital night vision that he's talking about for five, you know, six, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars. So, so you're, the, as far as the night vision and thermal, like you said, alluded to, you're always going to have an advantage with detection with, uh, thermal. Um, you're going to have an, uh, an advantage with identification with night vision. Bingo. Bingo. Um, so I, I'm going to say one, one last thing here before we kind of move on. There is one more thing you need to know about. If you're using, um, digital night vision, or, or to be honest, even Gen 2, Gen 3, and you're using uh, an IR illuminator. While this is something you and I can't see, our eyes cannot see it, when you point that IR illuminator that normally looks like a flashlight at someone, it's got a, a red glow in the head of that light. Okay? Yeah. So if, if the, the point is, if Hans is out there and he's, you know, 100 yards from me out there in my pasture, and I put a digital night vision scope and pointed at him, he can look back at me. Maybe he can't see me because it's dark, but he can see a soft red glow. And so he can, exactly know right. he can know there's somebody there. Right. And then the last thing I was going to say about that is if Hans has a night vision scope, mm-hmm. he can now see my IR illuminator like it's a lightsaber. Okay, yeah. he can see it just like if I was waving around 
a regular visible white flashlight. So, you know, if yeah. you see me out there in the field and I'm waving that flashlight around walking, you could see me with your naked eyes. Well, if you're looking through a digital night vision or a traditional night vision and the other person is too, and you got IRs, you're going to see each other again, thermal, yeah. somebody with night vision looking at someone with thermal, if they don't see that person, they're not going to see them. You know, there's no light. There's nothing oh, yeah. e emitted. So it's just so, something to consider as well. And I love when the military guys call us uh, over to Outdoor Legacy and they want to talk about optics and we talk about night vision. It's it's usually the guys over in Vietnam and they've got the guys from Vietnam have the coolest stories. But, you know, yeah. they want to talk about they they kind of go off on this path. Hey, you want to talk about these hunting digital night vision scopes and and they're like, so can you see a red light from that IR light? And I was like, yeah, you can see a glow. And it's like, well, I can't do that. That's going to give away my position. And I'm like, what the heck <laughs> yeah. are you doing with this thing? What are you going to be doing? And, he's, and they, it's yeah. always, it always turns into something. But, but yeah, you're exactly right. It is. I mean, you're not. You will be somewhat detectable if you're shining that that digital night vision scope at somebody and that mm -hmm. IR light at somebody. Yeah, you're you're. There's going to be a soft glow. They're going to see that there's something there. Thermal. That's the great thing about hunting with thermal. You know, it is pretty much undetectable from uh, you know anybody looking or, or seeing you unless they got a thermal scope. You know, uh, so I'll, you both just I'll look stupid. And, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll wrap and say this. Let me interrupt you there. I thought you're done. Um, I would take night vision over a, a flashlight. Okay, so not everybody <laughs> yeah. can afford thermal. And if the worst thing is that there's a yeah. soft red glow, uh, yeah. that's way better than the alternative. Because if, right. if your man out there doesn't have night vision or thermal, you still have a giant advantage mm -hmm. over him. So, exactly. so you, you're looking at him. You can see exactly what he's doing, maybe exactly who he is. And he says, huh. I think I see something red glowing over there at 100 yards. I'd rather be you than him. So yeah. uh, m moving on, because we got a lot of things to talk about here. I, I want to talk about this. This is important uh, to guys who are thinking about emergency situations where they may not have the normal power options, electrical options that they would. So some type of a situation where the power grid is down or, you know, just the lights are off at your house because it's a, been a, a, a storm or, or, you know, ice or whatever, or maybe it's something way bigger than that. How are you going to power these optics? And there's a lot of different options when it comes to uh, the batteries on thermal and night vision. So, the the basics are going to be internal, non-removable, rechargeable batteries versus removable batteries. Okay, that's mm -hmm. the first big distinction. So uh, let's take, you know, my iPhone right here. That has an internal, non-removable, rechargeable battery. Mm -hmm. um, that, so that, you know, I got to plug that thing into a USB cable, into a power source to charge it. Same thing with mini thermal and night vision scopes. Now, you can plug it into the wall. You can plug it into your truck. You can plug it into a, I don't have one sitting here, but a USB, you know, battery pack that you buy for 20, mm -hmm. 30, 40 bucks. Uh, you could plug it into that to, to run it or to charge it. Um, alternatively, um, you've got the option of removable batteries. Now, those come in normally three or four different forms you can have depending on the optic a double a batteries right now i don't think there's any thermals with double a batteries because uh, they're battery hogs so night mm -hmm. vision scopes some of those have inter uh, i'm sorry uh double a batteries yep. cr123a batteries now these are something they're lithium batteries they last a very long time um, some guys love them some guys hate them a lot of guys don't like the cost of them. I always say, you know, if you're paying more than about a dollar fifty a piece, you're paying too much. Uh, you can buy those batteries in bulk online uh, for very affordable prices versus, you know, buying them at, you know, the checkout counter at Home Depot or Lowe's or, yeah. or Walmart. Buy them in bulk. You can get them, you know, very affordably for quality batteries. And then we've got. Uh, a few optics that take 18650 rechargeable batteries. We always mm -hmm. love that option. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the last option is proprietary removable batteries. So that is a battery 
that is made specifically for that optic by the manufacturer uh, that, again, it's removable, but it has to be recharged. So, you know, you can buy spares and have those, but they're still only going to last, depending on the optic, two, three, four, five, six, maybe up to 10 hours. Uh, but it is uh, something that's got to be charged. So depending on your your thoughts and where you're at in prepping, if you say, I'm planning to have no way to charge batteries. I don't want to be worrying about that. I don't mm. want to be having USB batteries. I don't want to be having solar panels, whatever. I need something I can get and go. Then mm. my advice is to be looking at something that takes CR123A batteries or possibly, you know, if it's night vision, some AA batteries. That is your stockpile. Have an ammo can full of them and go for a very long time. Every optic that we sell now, night vision or thermal, can be run, even if it doesn't be charged, you know, but it can be run off of a USB battery pack. So I always say those are dirt cheap. Charge them up, buy some extras, keep them around. That's a good spare gas can for any right. of these optics is, is just plugging in with the USB wire. So that's my two cents on batteries. Yeah. I mean, a, a true pepper, their power is, you know, really high on their list as far as how you're going to power the scope. Correct. If you can't, if the electricity is not working or whatever. And yes, um, anytime you talk about uh, proprietary batteries, internal batteries, you can hear the sigh on the other end of the line. It's like, oh, <laughs> That's right. you know, it's like air coming out of the balloon. But yeah, you know, the, uh, guys that are preparing, you know, they want something they can stock up on. Rechargeable 18650s, CR123s, AA's, whatever. Something that they can get easily uh, and affordably. So yeah, you're exactly right on that. Let's talk about... Uh, scope designs there's really right now two different main designs of these scopes and they really have a lot of different different purposes and and reasons for these different designs but you got the tube style design like you and i are familiar with um if you've y'all out there if y'all are new to it you know look into like the pulsar thermions the iray uh, bolt teal 35 AGM's got the new adder coming out. That's a tube style design. Am I missing any, Jason? I don't think so. The Thermion no, Bolt and Adder. Those those are and we say when we say tube style, those are what you think of that look like it's a, a, a thermal or night vision scope that looks like a traditional daytime scope. So it almost looks like it has turrets on the side and on top. Mm -hmm. uh, it does have a tube. You know, these are scopes that mount very well on a bolt action. Very well on a bolt action, uh, but also mount well on an AR-style rifle. So you have the, the tube-style design of night vision and thermal. And then you've got the what we call the block. <laughs> the block I don't know version. if that's a good word. you got a better uh, it's word. It's not. But, well, you know, honestly, most people describe it as a brick. So it's the <laughs> square rectangular. Block is nicer. <laughs> yeah, block is nicer than brick. But So you've got that boxier, blockier, brickier-looking uh design to the envision which a lot of people associate with uh thermal or night vision so it's you know that is uh those are scopes that typically mount a lot better on just an ar style rifle uh that you see but you know for prepping and, and for people that are preparing for whatever disaster um Convenience is a big factor then. You know, we all hear about people that pack a bug out bag. Um, well, you can only stash, you know, so many pounds of peanuts in a bag and also stick a scope in there. You know, whatever you're packing, you know, 14 rolls of toilet yes. paper and peanuts. I don't know. Because the two go, let me tell you, the two go hand in hand. Let me just say that. Uh, oh, gosh. So, We've derailed. Yes, exactly. So, you know, these guys got these tactical backpacks there's 37 different pockets and how am i going to fit mm -hmm. you know each pocket is de designated for each item convenience um you know being able to put this thing somewhere easily get to it uh, not take up a lot of room is a big uh of big importance to them uh, but also what you're going to do with it um if you are using this as something to spot with if you're uh, trying to look around your home your property uh, wherever, if you're just using it as a monocular, 
you want it to be probably a, a smaller design, the, a smaller brick, a smaller block design uh, that, that fits in your hand a little bit better. Uh, but also if you're going to be mounting it on a rifle, you know, having what what we uh, talk about a lot where people use a scope as a monocular and a rifle scope, but being able to have something that can go on the specific rifle that you're going to be using, whether it be a bolt action or or an AR style rifle is, is a big thing to consider. But I think that the majority, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Jason, but the majority of the people that I talk to that are preparing um, generally are thinking of it as a monocular first. Do you see that as well? Yeah, I think it is common, and we're going to think somewhere on down here if we can ever get there. Yeah, scope versus discussion yeah, on that. Down, later on down so, the road, we do. But, yeah, yeah, so it, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, th- this is the big thing. Um, Hans has already said it, and I'm just going to reiterate it. You get a traditional daytime scope looking thermal or night vision scope. Again, 30 millimeter tube looks like a daytime scope. That's what you need if you're going to go on a bolt action rifle. I mean, there's some exceptions or any kind of fixed stock rifle. The reason is eye relief. Mm-hmm. You take one of these smaller block style designs and you mount that up there on your bolt action or your lever action or whatever it is with the fixed stock. Um, you're going to have a very hard time getting up on that and getting your eye up where it needs to be. Now, it's That's very difficult to do. Also, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail and say this. Every single one of these scopes mounts with a Picatinny mount. Good you point. are going yeah. to have to have a Picatinny rail. If you're going to put this on a small rifle, like an air rifle or a 22 or some 17s, most of those have dovetails, not mm. Picatinny's. You will have to have an adapter. Every thermal scope it uses a, a a Picatinny rail. Now, again, 30 millimeter tube, you can buy your own rings and whatever you want. So again, you got a little uh, advantage there, but if you're going to go on a fixed stock rifle, you're going to want to go with one of these traditional style scopes. Uh, again, those traditional styles, as Hans alluded to, work just fine mm-hmm. on AR-15s. Now, here is what I think Hans was talking about with his bag of peanuts is if you take a, I was perfectly clear with what I was talking about. You don't I, have to clarify. I was completely unclear, but I was getting hungry. I was thinking, let's honey roasted. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, I haven't had I supper ain't. yet. So what, what I was going to say is, though, if you're going to take one of these small block style designs, um, you know, Hans mentioned this about a monocular. These scopes, I wish I had a couple to show here. I didn't even think about bringing them up here. You can grab that in your hand. It's going to fit in the palm of your hand. It's going to be like a monocular. Uh, It's small enough to shove down in a backpack. You got a big heavy coat on or something, you know, shove it in there. You got a hoodie on with pockets in the front, you can shove it in there. So it's going to be dual purpose if you want it to be. You can hold it as well as having it mounted. You do not want to take one of these traditional uh, 30 millimeter tube scopes and try to hold it up and look through it. And I'll tell you why. They're 12 to 13 inches long. You can't hold it with one hand because it teeter totters. So you're going to hold it with two and you're going to be like a pirate looking through a telescope. It just, (laughs) you can do it if you have to for a minute. It's not comfortable. It doesn't work well. And so, you know, you're going to have two hands on it. Your arm right. out here is going to get tired. It's not what you want to do. Um, so if you want, I know Hans yeah. is going to have all kinds I'm of dying. comments. I am dying. P- pirates and telescopes. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's true. So that's my two cents on it. If you want to mount it and forget it, if you want to put it on a bolt action, you need to go with the traditional 30 millimeter tube style. Mm-hmm. Um, or we do have some of the night vision optics, like some of the sight mark rates that actually have a bolt action mount adapter that mm-hmm. will allow you to, you know, mount that on your bolt action or that's what they call it. But again, fixed stock rifle, and it will bring that scope back far enough for you to see it, even though right. it's more of the, the block style. So there's a couple, you know, variations to that rule, but generally speaking, yep. not so. Again, if you're wanting to use this as a dual purpose in your hand and 
on the scope, I would go with the, the traditional thermal design, which is yeah. the, the block style. So, yeah, the block, the brick. The All block, right, let's talk brick. about something very important, magnification okay. levels, because that is – you could really screw yourself up by buying the wrong optic with the wrong Ooh, magnification level. Huh? Big time. I'm just agreeing. Oh, you, I'm in, I'm in, I'm, yes, yeah. amen. You're on a you, big topic. <laughs> you you will screw you up if you get the wrong, uh, the, the optic with the wrong magnification level. So first of all, let's define low magnification, what that really looks like, mid and high magnification. So, you know, as far as monoculars and uh, scopes, the low end of base magnification, and these are all uh, digitally, uh, digital magnification, you know, every time on a thermal and digital scope, every time you double the magnification, you cut your resolution in half. So these are digital magnification scopes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before, before you're, you're right, but I, there's some people you might have just confused. Mm-hmm. The base magnification that we're going to talk about is optical through lenses. It looks great. Okay. But what Hans is talking about is the, the zooming in. So Mm -hmm. if if a scope starts at two power and you go, well, it goes to two to 16, that isn't like your, your three to nine Leopold that you just grab and twist over to to nine and it looks great. No, he's right. Mm -hmm. This is digital. So these scopes are going to degrade the image quality will cut in half, as right. he said, every time you double your base mag. You go from two power to four power, image quality cut in half. Go from four power to eight power, image quality cut yeah. in half of what it just was. So exactly. I didn't mean to walk all over you there, but it's very, very, no, very important. Do not buy these scopes. This is I, I have this conversation a lot with guys that that are new to this, that are preppers, and they go, well, it says it's uh, you know four to thirty two. I'm like, eh, eh. thirty two is useless. It's, <laughs> it's be a, two it, pixels you know, left. <laughs> exactly, you're not so, gonna use it. Th- so that's yeah. very important. This base max. All right, exactly. Holmes, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm no, I'm glad you, you brought that up. Go back to where high, medium, and low. We got some new people in here in the group that are listening that are trying to just figure all this out. So yeah, really, on the low, fast. yeah, the low end of the spectrum is gonna your magnification. Base magnifications are going to start at one and one and a half power. Uh, that's going to be your low end. I mean, that's basically one power is basically what you see through your eye. You know, that's it's considered mm-hmm. one power. So mm-hmm. one, one and a half power, that's considered low. I would say um, middle of the road base magnification uh, is going to be anything like two to two and a half power is going to be your your middle of the road. And there are a lot of optics that, that fall into that as well. You know, two, two and a half power base magnification. And then high base magnification, really to me, I would say starts at three power, three and a half power, four power. Uh, I know there's some optics even uh, that we've sold in the past that are five and a half power base magnification optics. Uh, Digital night vision, I would say you find, it seems like you find more optics that have a higher base magnification on the scopes uh, for whatever reason. Um, Thermal scopes, there's more of a mix. But yeah, low end of the spectrum is going to be one, one and a half power, middle of the road two to maybe three power and then anything over three i think is going to be pretty much considered higher base magnification now yeah the question is what is best for all you out there that are preparing um that is a good and important question and i'm gonna say um just from experience using optics uh, most of what people want to do when they're prepping is close contact um, you know, wanting to see around their house, wanting to see as they walk through the woods, wanting to, you know, just really things a hundred yards and in. I, I, you know, you think about an emergency disaster, and when I think about an emergency disaster, I think about, I think about chaos. I think about people going everywhere. You know, just a, a mass amount of people trying to get to one place, or 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 cars going everywhere, and that to me just seems like everything's up there in your face kind of, and it may be not, but you know, having a low base magnification, like a one and a one and a half power is going to give you um, a more natural feel. I guess when you look through the optic, it's going to give you a a really wide field of view. That means when you scan side to side, you're going to be able to cover more ground Mm -hmm. uh, than you would with any other, you know, the higher base magnification stuff that, you know, when you get up into four power, three and a half, four power, even five and a half power, when mm-hmm. you look through that optic, 
it's like looking through a, a, a paper towel roll, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's like looking through a Christmas wrapping paper tube. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. Very, very narrow yeah. field of narrow, view yeah. v- versus looking through on this low end, a toilet paper tube, a toilet paper. There you go. That's yeah. a better analogy. Yeah. So, I mean, you, that's really the, a wide field of view is going to give you a better ability to, to move around, to walk around, to avoid things, uh, to see wow. things that you would have missed with, you know, a higher powered scope. So I, I'm going to say with those examples of the ranges of base magnification, you probably want to stick on the lower end of that spectrum. Now, you get a lot of guys that kind of throw a, a wrench in the thing and they say, well, I'm using it for prepping, but I also want to go coyote hunt with it. Well, <laughs> you know, it's going to be tough to do both. Um, it depends on what you're going to do more. Are you going to be more of a coyote hunter or more of a prepper? So in that case, you definitely want to call us because uh, we've got to work out some details and some things to, before we get to the perfect optic for you. But I would generally, st- if you are a true prepper, stick to one, one and a half power, uh, two power on the high end uh, for prepping. Okay, but, yeah. I, I got to interrupt here. So you're right. I, I, I agree. The one thing I would say, is you know when Hans gave what he considered you know low, average, medium, high, whatever, I, my numbers were a little different. I mean this is an opinion; it's subjective. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- when he said that, I didn't want you to think that it's like this is set in stone. It was his opinion. <laughs> I would change it a little bit, but here's one thing that I was thinking about the whole time. I I agree with what he just said about you know the one, the one and a half, the whatever. We don't have a thermal scope on the market that we sell anymore that is what we would call a, a entry level all the way up to a, a high end that is lower than two power. That is hmm. the lowest. Am I wrong, Hans? Yeah, I am. There's there's a one and a half power, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got the rattler. So we got, yeah, there's we a one got, and a half well, power. there's two. We got the hogster too. I'm sorry. So I'm, yeah. I made a big point here. We have two entry level optics that are basically one and a half power. Everything else mm-hmm. is two yeah. and up, two, two and a half, three, three and a half, four. I mean, there's a whole lot of those. So I will say, I, I, I 100% agree. For for prepping, I would much rather have a one and a half power scope than a three power scope. Okay, right. I mean for for like everything on said, but I think there is going to be some situations where a guy says, "Listen," and we're going to talk about price here in a minute when we wrap this thing up. Hey, well, I'm willing to spend some money. I want a nice optic. Uh, you know, I may spend three or four thousand dollars on this this optic. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not have a choice to get. It may have to be a yeah. two and a half power or a three. Right. Power. There may not exactly. be an optic in there. Now we do see sometimes on some of the handhelds, more of the one powers and some more mm-hmm. of the entry level type stuff, and then even some of the more of the high end stuff. The the we've got some monoculars that are in that three to four thousand dollar range that are right. that are you know made to handhold or mounted on helmets and they're one power. So mm-hmm. anyway, when I just wanted to, to interrupt here because I, I didn't want a guy to to call and go, okay, I want to spend three to four thousand bucks and I want a one and a half power scope because I'm gonna have to be like, well, that doesn't exist. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it used to, but right now I don't know of anything. But um, again, hundred percent agree with you. My opinion is lower is better. And I mm-hmm. think that goes against the common way of thinking. Because most guys, if you own a scope, it's normally going to be a minimum of, like I said, a 3 to 9 or a 4 to 14. Mm. And they think, well, man, I can't imagine having a 1 power, 2 power, 3. No, I, I want you know, I want all the magnification I can get. Well, that's fine if all you're doing is looking 150, 253, 400 yards. But like Hans was talking about the, the you know, the toilet paper tubes, that's very true. You've got somebody that's sneaking around out there at 20, 30, 40, 50, 75 yards, and you've got this narrow field of view and a bunch of magnification, you could easily miss him. So I, I am 100% with you there. Mm-hmm. Wide field of view, lower magnification, I think is going to be better. Um, 
Hans, I just kind of took over there, but I, I want to start. I know we're kind of running out of time. I want to talk about scopes versus monoculars. You got anything else on the magnification before we move on? No, you know, and this shows are going to run long because this is the first time into you know in almost two hundred episodes we've ever brought up this subject. So we got a lot to cram it, in here. It, but no, it is. We, it, but we're, we're the, getting close. I promise. We are. The the thing, you know, I think what a lot of confuses a lot of people is, should I get a scope or should I get a monocular? Yeah, and that's where there's a lot to weigh out. Uh, and as far as what the need and, and, and what they're trying to accomplish. But scope versus monocular, what do you say? Okay, so I'm going to keep this shorter than I might have uh, 45 <laughs> minutes ago because we're, <laughs> yeah. we're going long. Um, some of this is going to take uh, you sitting down and thinking for yourself really what you want to do. Some of it may require you calling us and us helping you, you know, answer some more questions, walk through some some thoughts mm -hmm. on this. But a monocular cannot be mounted. This is the general, generally speaking. A monocular cannot be mounted to a firearm. It does not have crosshairs. Okay, um, so there may be some exception I could dream up here, but a monocular is made to hold in your hand. It is not recoil rated. Mm -hmm. It is not. Again, no crosshairs. You're not going to shoot with it. This is for looking around. It's for holding in your hand. Maybe it's for mounting on a helmet, whatever. Uh, you're not going to shoot with it. A scope, as we talked about before, we kind of got into some of this, depending on the style you buy, it could be really just a scope and nothing else, not good really to handhold, or you could buy one, that does both. And I think that's probably the most popular choice um, in a perfect world where money doesn't matter. You got a bigger budget. I mean, money always matters, but if it, if, yeah. if you got a big budget for this, um, we're going to say buy both. And I know you're going to go, well, of course y'all sell this stuff for a living. <laughs> well, yes. But now your scope is mounted on your rifle it is zeroed. You're not taking it off. You're not worrying about it. You're not trying to take it off and put it back on in the dark. Your rifle is in the ready position, ready to go, and you got a handheld. And the handheld, here's what I like about a dedicated handheld. They're ergonomic. They're made to be put into your hand and held. And you go, well, obviously. But I mean, seriously, that's what it was made for ergonomically. A lot of handhelds have a padded hand strap. Think about an old, uh, you know, uh, video camera, you know, like a Sony Handycam from the old days. You got that padded hand strap, and that may seem like, oh, who cares? Well, I can tell you, you know, if you've got to hold this thing all night long like this, and not drop it and not let go, versus being able to have your hand in there and palm it. And just mm -hmm. loosely hold it, walk around, let that thing sling around because you got it on your your you know your hand. Man, it's really really nice. Uh, you can put a lot of these on a lanyard. Sometimes they're kind of big and heavy for that, but but you could do it if you wanted to. Um, I, I think this is a big topic, but the number one thing comes down to if you want to shoot with it, you got to buy a scope. There's yeah. there's your first answer. If you don't ever want to shoot with it then the monocular is, is perfectly fine. And if you're kind of up that middle, mm -hmm. hey, I don't, don't necessarily know that I want to shoot with it, but I'd like to have that in my back pocket. I'd like to have that, you know, arrow in the quiver. Then I would say, okay, buy one of these more small-style compact designs that will do both. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree with that 100%, and I think that you nailed that whole part that nail right on the head. Did something so, right. We should end it right now. I did something right. Let's we talk one one more be, thing before we wrap done. it up. Let's talk about okay. prices because I think people they they've heard all this stuff. They're like, okay, it sounds great. What what are we gonna talk about as far as price? Now we talked a little bit about um, uh, digital night vision. I mean, you can get a very good night vision scope. I mean, for five hundred bucks, uh, you mm -hmm. can get. Uh, one of the top of the line night vision scopes for 800 bucks. Uh, Pulsar is mm -hmm. coming out with a new scope. Um, it's going to be even more than that, but it's going to be the top dog and uh, probably the top dog and going to be the best thing around, uh, you know, under $1,500. So it, it ranges mm -hmm. in there. I would say 500 uh, to 1500 for good quality, you know, digital night vision. Now, mm -hmm. Thermal, <laughs> uh, get out your checkbooks here, y'all, because uh, this is where it gets right. a little expensive. I would say good quality thermal optics, a good quality thermal. Now, this is being filmed 
uh, right now at the end of uh, the last day uh, or at the end of January. This show's coming out at the beginning of February 2022. Good quality thermal, I think, is going to start at around $1,300. And I'm going to say that being for a, a monog- handheld. For a handheld, that's going to be an AGM Taipan TM19384 handheld. Now, for a scope, that your price for a quality scope is going to start out at around $2,000. That's going to be for something like the AGM Rattler TS25. Now, from there, uh, the good news is uh, that the top end of the scale uh, ends nicely at around $9,500 for a thermal scope, <laughs> top of the line, Envision Halo XRF. So you only have about $8,000 worth of difference in between those two. So you don't <laughs> have to fret about, you know, spending 15 right now, you know, only 10, yeah, but no. That's right. uh, so handhelds, you can, the range between uh, handhelds is going to be anywhere. Like I said, quality starts out at 1300. I think it really tops out at about 4,000. I mean, you can get a thermal binocular like a Pulsar Accolade, which is probably more than what a lot of preppers need yeah, uh, for 6,000 bucks. But, you know, 1300 to $4,000, obviously, yes. the more, you, the, like Jason said earlier, the more you spend, the more magnification you're naturally, naturally going to get, you know, because these are designed for hunters and people are using these to try to see out several hundred yards away to ID coyotes and, and pigs and whatnot. Um, so, you know, as soon as you start jumping up in price, you immediately start jumping up in picture quality features in a lot of cases, um, and magnification, but realistically 1300 to $4,000, a scope, like I said, starts at $2,000 from there. Again, you're going to be going up in, um, uh, in price and performance. Now I will say envision if you want, Hey, I'm, Money is not an object. I get that. It's funny. I get that said to me a lot until the, the until it's until time to money is cre- an object. Until <laughs> until the credit card needs to be whipped out. But no, it's funny. I laugh at it all the time. But yeah, Envision has you know they got the one power, uh, monocular helmet mountable uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, unit, and it's weapons, weapons mountable. mountable. The no- yeah. Knox eighteen for around a little over six thousand dollars. I mean, if you say, mm-hmm. hey, I want, I need the best of the best. There's there's something in every price range, but I say that to say this. Um, you need to talk to somebody who has used all this stuff. And uh, that being a good, reputable dealer, um, hopefully you watch this show and you think Outdoor Legacy Gear is a good, reputable, reputable dealer. And we uh, don't like look like too big of buffoons to, <laughs> to call and talk to about this kind of stuff. But um, there can be... And we can find an optic for you that fits what you're trying to do within the budget of what you're trying to do it in. Uh, so be sure, you know, you kind of have a rough estimate on prices depending on what category you fall in and what you want. Uh, but yeah, you got to call us and you get a chance to talk to me and Jason. There's a lot of guys that call like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. I'm watching your show right now and I'm on the phone with you. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I want to bring up a couple quick things here. I know we're putting a, a bow on this because uh, I know we've gone long, but two quick things. One, I agree with Hans's is pricing structure there. I will say this because this is going to come up. There's going to be guys go, wait a minute. Y'all got thermal monoculars on your website for $399. You got one for $549. You got some of this stuff that's less expensive. That's what I want. No problem. Um, what we were talking about there in his pricing was what we consider true entry level units. Any of those units, anything again, as of when we're recording this, that is below that there's scopes out there uh, Mm -hmm. that are, you know, 1500 bucks that are 999 thermals. There's again, these, these cheaper uh, thermal handhelds, we call those sub entry level. Um, I'm not saying they're wrong for you, but We'll be glad to talk to you about them, but you've got to be realistic. The problem we see and the reason we're very nervous about a lot of those optics is guys go watch YouTube videos. They, they're, they're, they've seen thermal, looks awesome, they want it, and they go, man, I can get a thermal handheld for 500 bucks, or I can get a thermal scope for $1,000, $1,500. Well, that's fine, but you were just watching a $5,000 thermal yeah, video. Exactly. You, you've got to understand... Those optics, again, depending on what they are, they may not be good for much past 50, 75 yards. You may not be able to tell a horse from a cow 
at mm-hmm. 150 yards. So you've got to really set your expectations for what you're getting. And I understand it's a lot of money. Not everybody's budget's the same. Sometimes something is better than nothing. Uh, I, I do get that. We're glad mm-hmm. to talk to you about what you can realistically expect from those optics. But the, the prices Hans quoted, 100% agree. Those are going to be starting at real quality entry-level optics and moving your way on up. Now, there's one more thing we didn't bring up. We didn't really have time for it. I'm not going to go on a big tirade about it right now, um, but it gets asked by preppers more than anybody, and that is thermal clip-on units. Mm. Uh, That gets brought up a lot. Uh, There's a lot more clip-ons on the market now than there ever has been. There's more coming this year. Uh, I'll still tell you this. The more that come out, they're still not popular. Uh, They're not popular with, um, you know, guys that have a lot of experience. Everybody likes the idea of it because you can slap it onto your daytime Mm -hmm. scope and it might work for you. Okay, there there's there are situations where a clip on is a good option for most people. The better option, the less expensive option is going to be getting a dedicated scope or Mm. getting a just a handheld. Um, That's way too much to get into. Again, there's uh, there's a lot of, of new clip-ons that are out there and that are coming. But I would say this, don't make that your go-to. I know you think it sounds great to slap it on the front of your rifle. And we're going to be reviewing some of these clip-ons mm-hmm. uh, coming, you know, some some new That's models right. that Pulsar's got. Uh, so I don't want it to be like, this guy said not to do it. Now he's talking about them. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about them. But I'm still going right. to tell you, for the average guy, Pulsar would tell you this. If you went to the engineers that created this and said, should everybody buy this clip-on or should people consider your dedicated scopes and handheld? They'd mm-hmm. say, we're going to plan to sell 95% scopes and handhelds, and these are for the 5%. We right. know we're never, and we wouldn't encourage everyone to go buy these. So anyway, it's something we'll be glad to talk to you about. If you got questions, you know, you can call us on that. But I just don't don't jump into the trap of the clip on is the the answer that solves all of this because it's usually not and it's going to cost you more money than you probably think it's going to. So it might might be the good answer for you. So with all that said, Hans, do you have anything else on, on this subject? Absolutely not. Call us eight seven seven three five zero one eight one eight. Check out uh past episodes of what we talked about because and you will not find anything about preppers but but anyway we have it in the catalog now so go check that out yeah and i just want to say this folks so we've done this whole show if you are new to the show um you know hans mentioned it first thing that um Mm -hmm. i own outdoor legacy you can go to that website outdoorlegacygear.com uh hans and i this is what we do full time we sell mm-hmm. night vision and thermal optics uh, to hunters of all sorts, as well as preppers. Uh, we're, we're glad to deal with y'all as well. If you are looking to make a purchase from Outdoor Legacy, you like what you saw here. You said, hey, I like these guys. I want to give them my business, but I don't know exactly what to buy. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a lot of money, whether it's 500 bucks or 5,000 bucks. I don't want to make a mistake. Give us a call. We'll be glad to hear about what your situation is, what you're wanting to do, what rifle you're wanting to put it on. Maybe you're wanting to do some hunting with it as well. And we can give you that advice and then we can go ahead and and help you as soon as you're ready to make that purchase and and get that optic headed your way. That is what we do. Uh, We're glad to do it. I have guys that call and say, man, I'm sorry to bug you. I'm like, listen, if you're calling to buy something, you're not bugging me. I'm glad to talk to you. That's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are are glad to help our customers before they make the purchase, uh, you know, to make sure they're getting the right thing because we want you to be happy. And if you're spending this kind of money, you need to know what you're getting. That's why we do these shows. That's why we're on the phones all day. So 877 350 one eight one eight. Give us a call before you make the purchase on OutdoorLegacyGear.com. Again, always glad to help. As Hans mentioned, all our past episodes you can find at the Late Night Vision Show. 
youtube.com or you can just go to YouTube. Please subscribe if you're there. Uh, you can, uh, again, be alerted every time we drop a new episode, which is every Thursday. And uh, we're on all the podcast apps as well. Hans has got some great content. If you're looking to see what it looks like through some of these scopes and monoculars and say, you know, I want to see uh, you know, what this one looks like out in the field if I'm, you know, looking at hogs or looking at coyotes or whatever, Hans has got those videos over on his YouTube channel. That's H-A-N-S-E-T-X, Hans East Texas on YouTube. Type that in. You will find him. You can also find him over at Instagram. He is always posting uh, videos, short clips and stuff of hunts, as well as pictures and all kinds of things, the different optics. Um, Outdoor Legacy, you can find me on all the social medias uh, as well. But um, Hans, I tell you what, a, we, have gone, we have gone long, but this was uh, it's a fun show. Might be a record. Yeah, I'm going to take over might before be. you lose your voice. You need to get a drink. That's right. I am losing. I need a drink. <laughs> You're talking too long. Uh, so this has been episode 196, y'all. Thank y'all so much. We will be back very soon. You know what? We've got the review, a lot of reviews coming up. The brand new iRay cabins, uh, the new yep. uh, monoculars from uh, iRay. We've got uh, the the AGM Fusions, the brand new uh, monoculars from from AGM. I tell you, we got a lot coming up. Stay There's tuned. All the latest and greatest in night vision thermal right here on the late night vision show. This has been episode one ninety six. Signing off for Jason. <laughs> Signing off for me. We'll see y'all next week, y'all. Stay safe in the fields. Keep making them bacon pancakes. <laughs>